Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer and an entrepreneur. My mission, what I stand for is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher. One who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and effectively so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. This mission reflects the core ways of being that I work to develop in teachers. Confidence, clarity, purpose, impact, and connection. Through my mentorship program and my premier offer called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field and beyond, and a dose of personal development. For more information on my programs, please see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 78. So I'm starting out uh, this episode with just, you know, again, just a little uh, check-in with where things are at which has kind of become the norm, given that for the past 10 weeks, I've been home um, because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic, haven't been teaching in the studios. And I know for those of you out there who are yoga teachers, and of course, that's the majority of my listeners, you're in the same boat. You're not teaching in person, you're maybe teaching online, um, and certainly your life has been significantly upended um, for the past two and a half months because of the pandemic. And I remember a couple weeks ago um, when I, well, maybe not a couple weeks ago, but I remember just even just last week, just the experience of starting out every podcast with a little bit of a check-in and mentioning COVID because I didn't want to be um, oblivious or tone deaf to, you know, maybe where you are at right now. And certainly when all of this started, it was such a harsh pivot for all of us. And there were a lot of scary feelings and, you know, worrying about getting sick. And I think that to some extent, some of that has abated only because we've become somewhat more informed about the virus and somewhat more uh, informed about steps that we can take on a personal level to not get sick. And so I really, you know, thought that I'd be starting today's podcast with maybe a little bit more of an optimistic tone. And then a week ago, um, George Floyd was basically killed by the police and here in the U.S., in Minneapolis. And, um, you know, of course, by no means is my podcast a political podcast, an activist podcast. I mean, you all know what this is about. Um, although it seems completely tone deaf uh, to not acknowledge at least where things are at right now in the United States. And I 
even saw in the news last night that there were uh, protests in solidarity with the US um, in places like Berlin and Paris. So even if you are listening and you don't uh, live here in the United States, I know you know what's going on and to watch it from afar must be even more surreal than what it's like living through it here in the United States. Um, I spent this morning um, walking the same walk I walk uh, and have been walking for the past two and a half months. What's become kind of my daily walk when I listen to podcasts and kind of soothe my soul with, you know, being outside. And uh, I take a walk from my apartment in, in the back bay of Boston down Newberry Street. I go through the public garden and it's usually about a 45 minute walk. So it's perfect for listening to a podcast. And this morning when I did it, I walked down Newberry Street and many, many of the stores were, were gutted and windows broken and retail, you know, all over the place. And um, I, I just cried. I mean, I just felt like what to me was a safe place for me to walk in a time that so has been so scary, um, felt angry, felt um, unsafe, felt violent. And in that moment, I started to think about what African-American people must feel all the time, unwelcome and scared and, and, you know, all of what I've been just listening to on the news from so many of the protesters who are black, um, their, their shared experiences of growing up black in America and, you know, just really trying to just open my ears and listen to um, what they were saying. And all of that just kind of came to me as I was feeling what I was feeling on my quote unquote regular walk. So, um, you know, before we get into today's content, I just wanted to, number one, acknowledge that was, you know, this is the tone of what's happening right now on um, June 1st, the first of the month, no less, um, that, um, you know, no matter where you are listening to this, you may be feeling a whole bunch of things that are um, uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, again, it's really just to acknowledge it's, you know, it's, it's not to make any kind of statement other than what I will say, which is that as yoga teachers, we stand for so many things that, you know, oddly are qualities that we hope to be inherent in our leaders and in our leaders on both a national and local level. Um, you know, we stand for inclusion, we stand for uh, loving everyone, we stand for welcoming, we stand for um, being of service. So, um, you know, it doesn't fall um, on deaf ears to me that a lot of what we as yoga teachers stand for, we are ambassadors for, um, is similar in terms of what we're looking for um, you know, from all of us. And that's not to say that, you know, we're perfect. I can only speak for myself and say that I am trying right now to just really examine my own ways of being and just stay open to listening and not be reactive. And um, so that's where we are. Uh, and so I just wanted to, I guess, just to start out by acknowledging that. And I do hope on some level 
that you are okay, that you are safe, and that um, you know we all just continue to sit with these uncomfortable feelings and stay open to learning. That's that's the best I can offer right now. So having said that, what I want to um, you know make a little shift here, an awkward shift, um, perhaps to the topic for today's podcast. And this really came out of um, a conversation I had with a teacher recently who's in my um, Blueprint Learning Program. And she uh, and I were talking about sequencing. And I, I know that sequencing is always a big topic of conversation for teachers. So I want you to, um, again, just kind of shifting from what we were just discussing to this this teaching topic, I want you to um, just put yourself in the frame of mind that you're in when you're teaching and thinking about what cues you want to share and how. Think about if you can relate to feeling overwhelmed, like there's so much you want to share and at the same time you're concerned because you don't want to overwhelm your students. You know, maybe you've got this desire to help them get it right. Uh, maybe you've got this desire to help them practice safely. And at the same time, maybe you're wondering, you know, God, what can you focus on in terms of cues that will help them get there? So one of the best ways to organize your thoughts and what you know, right? So it's not just organizing your thoughts, but organizing what you know, your knowledge, is a framework. And I talked about a framework actually on the episode last week. This is a different framework. Um, I've got some different frameworks to share with you today that will help you share your cues uh, effectively and understandably. So why does this matter? And I always like to include that with the podcast topic so that you can, you know, kind of hear my justification for why I'm even talking about this, right? I don't want to be talking about things that don't matter and don't have any impact on your teaching. So why it matters that you have a framework for how you share your cues is it's going to help you get your point across in as clear a way as possible. It will help you, uh, it'll help your students translate what you're saying faster and with less effort. It will help them connect to their bodies and their experience rather than being distracted. Having a framework will help you teach people more about the whys behind the cues. Like why are you asking them to do what you're asking them to do? And having a framework for your cues will help you teach people about the anatomy more so that they will actually leave your classes with new information that they can apply not only to their practice, but to just their daily movements throughout the day. So I'm gonna go into the frameworks now. I wanna give you a sense of, you know, they're all a little bit different. Um, so we'll just kind of go through them. And, you know, you can decide, uh, you know, depending on the class you're teaching or the approach you wanna take, you know, these are all frameworks that you can use interchangeably. It's nice sometimes to kind of decide when you go into a class, which one you're going to use rather than switching, you know, from one framework to another in the same class. So the first one, the first framework for cues is to teach from the ground up. And I love this one. This was really, um, 
you know, taught to me as a fundamental principle by my first teacher. I've really only had two yoga teachers that I consider mentors. Um, and my first yoga teacher was Baron Baptiste, um, is Baron Baptiste. And he always really emphasized teaching from the ground up. I'm not sure if that's still part of kind of his revised or updated framework for teaching. I know from, um, from seeing a lot and reading a lot and watching videos that his fundamental um, approach has been updated significantly. I can remember when I began practicing with him and in my initial trainings with him in 2002, 2003, 2004, that was always a big part of how we approach teaching, teach from the ground up. And it's such a great model because not only is it literally grounding for your students because you're going to start to talk to them at their feet, um, it allows you to really give them an opportunity to self-correct in a very um, biomechanically sound way. In other words, if you can think of someone in warrior one, and if you were to look at them as a teacher and think of a number of things that you wanted to correct, if you started to cue them, correctively cue them in terms of their arm position and their hip position without starting from their feet, it's very difficult because everything is built from the ground up. And, um, you know, consider this as a framework for more than just standing poses. Of course, it seems most obvious when applied to standing poses, um, although it can be applied to any kind of pose, whether it's on your belly, on your back, on one leg, on two legs, um, even in something like side plank, right? On one arm and one outer edge of one foot. So that is a really, really helpful framework that I offer to you. And to take it just a little bit further, if you're going to teach from the ground up, a little sub-framework you can attach to that um, is to have the maximum number of cues you provide be three or four. I would say four max. So if you're going to teach warrior one from the ground up, you might say, coming into it from downward dog, step your right foot forward, root your feet, reach up, take a few breaths and center your hips. You know, and that's actually five, but because take a few breaths and center your hips is presented as one, you can kind of get away with it. So that's, you know, if you're going to do it with bridge, you might say from your back, set your feet to hip width distance apart, lift your hips up, interlace your fingers underneath, root your arms into the ground, root your feet into the ground right? So you're just, you're teaching them from the ground up. So another framework that you could possibly use is to focus on the agonist or what is called the prime mover and three other cues. So when I say agonist, an agonist is um, a term to describe a muscle uh, acting in a particular way. And so when I say agonist slash prime mover, you can probably figure out that it's the muscle doing the action, right? And so because every uh, movement we take is a complex synchronicity of muscles that are acting in a concentric way, muscles that are acting eccentrically, muscles that are um, 
just pure lengthening, muscles that are passively lengthening, you know, one or all of those things may or may not be present for every movement we do. As a teacher in teaching yoga, a framework you can apply is to talk to the student, students, cue the students uh, to the agonistic muscle. So uh, an example, and then three other cues, right? Because it's not enough just to talk to, let's say, your psoas or your rectus abdominis or your quadriceps. So you're, you're going to want to supplement that with three other, two or three other things. Uh, so an example might be, so let's say, again, let's go back to warrior one. And uh, you might say, uh, root your feet. Um, draw your belly button in towards your spine to contract your rectus abdominis, reach your arms up, take three breaths, right? So that gives you a couple of cues and sandwiched in the middle is a cue specifically to one of the agonists in warrior one being the rectus abdominis, which connects your, uh, pubis, uh, your pubic bone to your sternum. Um, another could be, let me think of like another really obvious one. Okay. So how about something for crescent lunge or how about, let's do it something a little easier chair twist. So bring your feet together, bend your knees, sit low and twist. Take your right side back, contracting your, uh, internal and external oblique to create the twist. So there you're giving them a couple of cues that are action oriented and one anatomy based cue where you reference the obliques that are twisting muscles in the side body. So in this kind of framework, what you're doing is you're sharing um, with the student one particular muscle in the posture that's concentrically contracting and creating the action. Um, another one that I just want to bring up, let me just kind of think about this in my head. So another one that uh, I want to share because it's, it's, even though it's shared, probably, I don't want to say a lot, but even though you may have heard it, you may not have heard it with the prime mover included. So, so it's a downward dog cue and it's a downward dog cue that speaks to one of the anatomical actions in downward dog, that of um, external rotation of the shoulders. And you've got two primary external rotators the teres minor and the infraspinatus that connects your scapula to your humerus, both muscles do. And so you could say in downward dog, uh, press away from the mat, roll the inner eyes of the elbows forward, squeeze your upper arms, lift your hips to the sky. So, the, oh, I'm sorry, let me do it again. <laughs> I forgot to bring up the name of the prime mover. So, uh, so from downward dog or in downward dog, press away from the mat, roll the inner eyes of your elbows forward, creating that opening in your shoulders from your, using your teres minor and infraspinatus muscle. Lift your hips to the sky, take three breaths. 
So there you're sandwiching in the name of the muscle, names of the muscles, and those are not common muscles that people are going to know. So you could actually, uh, probably a, a more helpful way to frame it without confusing folks by using names that aren't highly understood or highly, highly recognized, is you could say something like press away from the mat, roll the inner eyes of your elbows forward. You may notice some sensation. There are two main external rotators that open your shoulders and connect your scapula to your upper arm bone. So that's a way to not say the names of the muscle, but to describe where they are and the action they create. And that can be helpful when there are muscles that don't really come up in conversation, like muscles like obliques or quadriceps or hamstrings. You know, those tend to be kind of in our common fitness vernacular. Things like teres minor and for spinatus, even psoas to a certain extent, I find that people are not as familiar with. So you don't want them to get way up in their head or like super kind of focused on the words you're saying um, being unfamiliar. So that's another way to kind of frame that. So that's another, that's another framework, right? So we did, the first one was teach from the ground up. The second one was focus on the agonist and three other cues. The next one is three action cues and one anatomy-based cue focused on being presented in the following way. See if you feel and then speak to the prime mover's action. So let's take a posture like tree pose. Okay, let's take a posture like tree. And we want to focus in tree. I'll give you kind of the backstory. We want to focus in tree on the action of the quadriceps in the standing leg to create stability and strength and prevent the students from hyperextending their knee by shifting their focus to the muscular action in the standing leg rather than sitting in the knee joint. So what you could say for tree is um, root into your right foot, draw your left foot up, press it to your thigh, squeeze the muscle in your right thigh to create stability and see if you feel the action of your quadriceps straightening your standing leg. So there what you're doing is you're sharing the name of the muscle and its action. Um, another example might be, um, let me see, uh, la la la. Okay, so another good one is to focus on boat pose and the role of the psoas as a hip flexor in boat pose. So let's say you had people laying on their back and you had them hug their knees into their chest and from there you were gonna bring them into boat. So they're laying on their back, they have they, their knees into their chest. You're gonna say something along the lines of, lift your upper body off the mat and balance on your sitting bones. Reach your arms forward and as you hold your legs in the air, see if you feel the contraction of your psoas one of your primary hip flexors. So it's not a lot, right? It's not the full detail. They, they may be sitting there thinking, what's hip flexion, right? So they may ask you after class. And it's not like you're saying, 
here your psoas is contracting, so you should feel strength, right? You're just, you're just offering them the opportunity to connect to a sensation in their body. See if you feel, right? So you're leaving that open. And at the same time, you're sharing kind of the, the factual part, which is your psoas is a hip flexor. Right, so whether your psoas is overly shortened or overly lengthened or weak or too strong, whatever is literally going on in your body, there's no denying that when you come to bow pose, you're definitely using your psoas for hip flexion. So that's another approach. So that third one would be three action cues and one anatomy-based cue focused on see if you feel, speak to the prime mover's action. And then the last one is to just pick an approach. So if you've ever watched my webinar on uh, the four different kinds of cues, I divide cues into a framework or I divide cues into four types, action, alignment, anatomy, and feeling based. And so you could literally go into a class and kind of, you know, go between those different types or go into a class with a sense that I'm going to just teach all from action. Like I can tell you right now, given all that everybody's experiencing, um, if I were teaching live classes, I would only be teaching from action. Ba-bam, 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 ba-bam. Nothing complicated, completely focused on clear, understandable cues that do not need any interpretation on the part of the student. Because people's heads and hearts are full. They're looking for yoga to help them, you know, relieve stress. They're looking for some respite from their mind going a million miles an hour. And the last thing you want to do is complicate things by giving them, you know, a lot of information. So even the approaches that I've just shared with you, I probably would not even employ. I would just go straight with action cues. And then, you know, you've got other opportunities, you know, depending on the vibe you want to create. And uh, so you might do some alignment mixed with action, some anatomy mixed with alignment, feeling based every once in a while. So, um, so those are different criteria for you, different types of cues. Now, I want to just mention that, um, you know, when you're giving cues, I, I really am not someone who says, never say this, never say that. You know, I completely recognize that We've all got our way of cueing. You know, there isn't one right way or wrong way. Every situation is different. Every body is different. Every class is different, right? So, and there's a lot of nuance. <laughs> so having said that, I don't want you to hear this next part as, oh, I, okay, then I won't say that. Or, oh, I'm saying that and go into reaction. These are just suggestions. So um, I, I want to kind of, bring up the idea of using language that suggests a particular anatomical scenario. So, so some examples of that might be here, you should feel a stretch in your X, right? Because there, what you're saying to the students are, we're doing pose X in this pose, Y muscle is stretching. You should feel a stretch there. Um, so you're kind of suggesting a feeling of stretch and the student's experience might be very different. In fact, on an anatomical level, even though literally the muscle is stretching, that may not feel like stretch to them. It may actually feel pretty, pretty tight to them. So you may have noticed in the earlier 
um, example I gave you where I gave you the framework of three action cues and one anatomy-based cue focused on the quote, see if you feel statement, that's why I frame it that way. That's why I say it that way, see if you feel. Because I don't want to really say you should feel. I don't really want to say you should anything when I'm teaching. It's just kind of energetically implies you should do this, right? Um, so yeah, so it's just a different way to say it. Uh, you know, see if you feel, whatever it is. Another thing that I hear a lot in teaching are things like, if you have tight shoulders, do X. You know, again, we're kind of ascribing a certain um, literal condition in the body that we really don't know anything about, right? I mean, yeah, I guess I could kind of look at somebody in warrior one and I could see them hunched forward. I could pretty much guess they've got tight pec minor, pec major, corcobrachialis, subscapularis, but do I literally know that? No. Do I want them to get hung up on, oh yeah, I've got tight shoulders? Probably not. So, you know, I probably wouldn't say that. What I might say is, hey, another way to do this is blah, blah, blah. Rather than saying, if you have tight shoulders, do it this way. You know, so it's just kind of presenting other options, a little bit of a different way to say it. Um, saying things like to prevent damage to your X, do this, or because X is a high risk joint, do this, you know, things like don't put your foot on the side of your knee, you're going to damage your knee. Like, I just like to kind of be aware of the use of language to suggest things to students and to suggest scenarios that may or may not be true for them now or ever. And also to create, especially with languaging like that, um, to create a sense of fear around the fragility of the body, the instability of the body, the impact of yoga practice if practiced in a particular way to create damage. You know, I think there are definitely are things anatomically that we should be concerned about as teachers. We just have to think about ways to communicate those, those quote unquote red flags without using, you know, kind of red flag kind of language, right? It's almost like if you had a little kid that, you know, fell, you don't want to be like, oh my God, you're going to really hurt yourself. You want to just kind of like be chill about it and be like, okay, let's stand up. Let's keep moving forward. Good job. You know, <laughs> so kind of in a way like that is, is the idea. Again, don't get super hung up. If some of these things are things that you're saying, just um, maybe stay open and coachable and think if there's another way to, to share the idea that you're trying to share. Now, in order to pull all this together, whatever framework you're going to be using when you're teaching, and again, this is not just teaching live classes. This is online, right? All of these things still apply, whether you're teaching people online or teaching them in person. So in order to pull all this together, I'm sure you'd agree that you'd need to have a pretty good baseline knowledge of anatomy. You know, being able to cue effectively comes from that knowledge. The cues are just the illustration right? They're just the illustration that you know the anatomy. And you know there's no way to fake it. I mean, you can, but you know what it feels like when you're out of alignment with what you're saying. Uh, and you know kind of inside, you're just kind of saying words you don't really know what you're talking about. Uh, and you don't want to feel that. So I teach all of this and the anatomy to back it up in my signature program that I mentioned earlier, um, the Blueprint Learning Program. So the best thing for you to do if this all really hits home for you is to get on the wait list for that program. And when I open enrollment, you'll be on the wait list. I'll notify you first and you can decide if it's the right time for you to invest in the program.
So to get on the wait list, all you need to do is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and right there on the homepage is the link to join the wait list. And you can even DM me on Instagram and I'll just add you manually if you tell me your email. Um, before we wrap up today, I want to let you know that uh, Sunday, June 7th, which is this coming Sunday, according to the calendar we're at right now, June 1st, is launch day for my monthly practice platform. It's called the Bare Bones Yoga Practice Portal. And it is uh, um, a monthly subscription with both live classes and recorded classes, specialty sequences, and a whole bunch more, including meditation and athlete's corner, uh, sequences for kids. And this is a monthly membership. When you sign up in June, you're a founding member, you get the best rate. If you wait until July, the rate goes up. So I know if this is something that interests you, even in the slightest, and again, a, a really good approach is to just get on the wait list and you can decide about investing when I launch it. Being on the wait list means I reach out to you first. To get on the wait list for the practice portal, just send me a DM or you can just see my post on Facebook, uh, the Bare Bone Yoga page. I've got the link in many of the posts there. And I'm super excited to launch this because it's really gonna be um, more than just yoga practice. For those of you out there who are teachers, if you're looking for help on sequencing, learning about myofascial release, figuring out how to integrate anatomy into your classes, this is gonna be your go-to place to get all of that. Plus, it's a practice portal. So you'll get your practice in, you'll get your meditation in, and there will be a lot of, you know, just kind of fun ways that I integrate all the information into the sequences. There'll be a private Facebook group that goes along with membership so that we've got a way to build like a little community of teachers and practitioners and we can motivate each other uh, to stay on track with our practice. So again, Bare Bones Yoga Practice Portal launches June 7th. Founding members get the best rate and a founding member is someone who signs up in June. DM me for the link uh, or see my Facebook. So that's it. We're at the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I would love if you'd write a review on iTunes. That would be just so great just to get the word out and to give me an opportunity to hear from you and to hear what you think of the podcast. Stay well, stay healthy, stay safe, stay positive, as positive as you can. Take care of yourself. If you ever have any questions, you can always send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my mentorship program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.